Hello and welcome to another episode of Raise the Bar, the podcast from Next Chapter Ventures. We have a simple mission here, to get female founders funded faster. Hello, this is your host, Amanda Williams, bringing you another episode of Raise the Bar with a great friend of Next Chapter, Christine Yu. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Christine wears multiple hats and she wears them all well, I might add. Christine left corporate world to set up Lapidary, an impact investment fund based in Hong Kong and having a reach really across Southeast Asia with her husband, Kyrios. If that wasn't enough, they decided to also launch their own business. Uh, So they've become entrepreneurs as well. Last month, they launched And All, an ethical, sustainable clothing company featuring beautiful gender-neutral button-down shirts. You can check them out on social media and the web at weareandall.com. In this episode, Christine talks about her journey into impact investing and venture building. Enjoy. Christine, welcome to the show. Please tell us a little bit about how you got started. First and foremost, thank you so much to the Next Chapter team for having me, to Nicole and to yourself, Amanda. Um, it's been such a pleasure to be a part of this journey. Um, it combines, you know, two of my favorite things in the world, which is, you know, empowering women um, and, you know, being part of this really interesting uh, move in, in innovation um, and, and kind of the startup space. So, as you mentioned, um, with Lapidary, I'm an impact investor, I'm an impact venture builder. My husband and I were co-founders um, of Lapidary. We build and invest companies that have a strong for-profit as well as a mission-focused mandate. Um, you know, my background is, is actually in, in the institutional capital markets. So I was involved um, in the first green bond in Asia Pacific. And, you know, that actually got me started um, on the kind of path of impactful investing. The second part of what we do, other than investing impactfully, um, is um, we're also in the impact venture building space. And that means we incubate um, our own ideas, see if they work, and then scale them. And we started kind of in this um, path because, you know, in the in- impact investing space, it was very difficult to source um, investments with the right uh, balance of a for-profit as well as a mission-focused uh, motivation. Um, so in the venture building space, um, we're focused on one um, sector, which is sustainable fashion. Very exciting. So when you have your, your, investment, your investing hats on, can you give us a little bit of an idea about, so obviously that mission focus, but also um, making some money. Um, but could you give us an idea of kind of uh, ticket size or stage of company that you're interested in? Um, so we look at kind of early to mid stage. Um, so I would say ideally anything wrapped around Series A. So we've done anything from seed, um, post-seed, you know, there are all kinds of names for anything kind of under Series A. Ticket size, it it really varies. It it kind of is, I would say, typical angel um, investing clip size. Anything from tens of couple of thousands to, I would say, half a million to a million US. I would say that's generally kind of the angel kind of clip. I think we look at, um, you know, as I said, companies that have a good balance of a for-profit um, and a mission-focused motivation. And you also have a really interesting regional focus, and I imagine that regional focus will 
you know, you'll, you'll be using uh, different ticket sizes for an investment, say in, I don't know, in the Philippines versus one maybe in, in Thailand or Hong Kong. We actually focus on kind of more frontier Asian, mar- Southeast Asian markets, as well as kind of some select Hong Kong opportunities where there's a f- potential um, cross market um, kind of business potential. Um, and the reason actually why we initially focused on um, frontier Southeast Asia is because when we started on our impact uh, journey, um, we looked at impact capital um, and impact needs. And we found that there was a, um, a bit of a strange discrepancy um, where Frontier Asia, where arguably um, some of the largest um, impact needs um, and challenges are in the world, um, was receiving you know sub 10% of global um, impact uh, funds. And you know, I think that number is probably greater now, but I think even if you strip out China and India or even Indonesia, you know, the most populous um, country, um, countries out in Asia, you, you find that you're still not seeing enough capital coming into frontier Asia. We also love um, the growth demographics. We typically focus on Philippines, Thailand and Myanmar. Um, and, you know, as an ex-credit uh, uh, fixed income person, you know, we kind of looked at things, you know, in terms of a barbell approach um, where, you know, Philippines and Thailand are investment grade countries. And then you've got on the other um, end of the barbell, uh, Myanmar, which is unrated. So it's a bit of a different mix of kind of investment grade and kind of unrated um, type of markets. So we just thought that it was just a much more interesting um, potential um, in this sector. Yeah, lots of potential, so many things possible um, in these growing markets and really exciting digital markets, young populations, um, really embracing digital technology quite quickly. Um, so yes. I'm sure some, some pretty so interesting. I, you know, I realize, yes. Sorry, you know, I realize I didn't answer a question about kind of ticket sizes um, in Southeast Asia. Um, yes, absolutely. And I think that what we found as well is that, you know, um, the the you had these sort of um, kind of th- this trap um, in kind of startups um, in kind of frontier Southeast Asia, where um, a lot of the startups kind of stayed in that very early stage friends and family grant funded um, startups and didn't really um, go beyond there. Um, and so we found that, you know, a lot of startups, um, you know, were happy with raising, you know, something even as low as, you know, a couple thousand U.S., um, and so, you know, for sure, um, the kind of capital um, requirements are, are lower in Southeast Asia. Um, but, you know, of course, at, with time, that's um, that's obviously going to be that's going to be changing. Absolutely. I'd really like to kind of dig in a little bit more to impact investing. I'm sure some people out there are quite new to it. How do you know that they're going to stick with that mission and that that's a, a real impactful business? So, you know, let's let's define um, what is an impact investment versus what is not an impact investment. Um, an impact investment um, is an investment made with the intention to generate positive, measurable social and environmental impact alongside a financial return. So I think the biggest difference um, between a normal investment versus an impact investment is really the intentionality of that investment and the commitment um, to generating both 
a financial return as well as a, you know, as an environmental and, and social, a positive social return. Since the UN SDGs have come about in the last few years, um, that's really helped us. Um, I think the whole sector align on themes and measure impact. So for us, we how we evaluate, um, well, of course, first we look at our own mandate and whether um, a particular company kind of ticks the boxes. So are they in Southeast Asia? Um, do they tick the boxes in terms of the sectors we look at? Um, so, for example, in terms of, you know, impact mandates, we have tended to focus on kind of education, women's empowerment, um, some healthcare. you know, especially in the venture building space, we focus on sustainable fashion. So anything that kind of, you know, falls in that category, we look at course are there kind of you know early to mid stage um, kind of all those basic kind of mandate checks um, and then you really the next part is about doing the due diligence um, you know how how is impact intrinsically um, connected to and how, how is how is the impact inextricably linked to um, the business model and the success ultimately of the business how does impact actually drive the business model and, and basically, you know, the other question we, we like to ask is, you know, in um, a tough economic backdrop, for example, a pandemic, um, are they going to drop um, these, you know, impactful measures um, if it's a question of, you know, preserving cash or things like that? So, you know, will the impact, is there going to be impact leak or mission leak um, if, you know, there, there is a challenge um, in kind of the economic kind of growth of the world. So these are kind of things that we, we use to kind of determine whether something is impactful or not. We are fine more closely towards a finance first um, organization. So think in impact finance, you're either um, finance first, um, you've got a blended finance approach, which means you kind of um, use both kind of finance and other social and environmental factors um, to to assess um, and then you're an impact first I would say we're closer towards a finance first organization and I think the reason is because fundamentally you've got to be financially sustainable so that you can so that you survive so that you make sure that your mission survives um, and that that's a huge huge thing for us so we actually love to look at companies where there is a tremendous potential for behavioral change um, because fundamentally behavior change really leads to impact um, and if that can be you know in a finance kind of first business model that's definitely um, a great way that we we kind of look at things that's great so really ensuring that the impact is, is seriously part of the business and, and not something that's been added on uh, to attract uh, investors like you. <laughs> um, but then, Absolutely. you know, then really knuckling down on those, um, on those finances and making sure that the business itself is going to be sustainable. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to ensure that the, the impact is, is kind of ongoing. Can you give us an example from your portfolio to kind of illustrate a typical, you know, um, a, a, a typical impactful business? Sure. 
Um, well, I can start by um, telling you about um, the first um, business that we are launching as part of our venture building um, effort. Um, and this is a BTC um, brand uh, called And All. Um, our website is weareandall.com. Um, and what we are trying to do with this brand is to see how we can push the envelope on achieving a transparent an ethical um, and a truly kind of eco-friendly brand across the supply chain, but also achieving um, a UN SDG, which is mindful consumption. Um, so it's interesting because you say, well, you know, you are in the business of selling shirts. How, how is that, you know, how, how does that kind of coincide with um, profitability, um, but also mindful consumption? Um, and, and that's exactly the point. So um, we're so our brand is a uh, it's a it's a gender free, sustainable um, brand of printed shirting. Now, it sounds it might sound like a very simple product, but um, there is so much um, engineering that actually happens in um, getting the supply chain together. So it's really every decision along that supply chain is making decisions that have a positive social and environmental impact as well as keeping your eye very firm on the bottom line so literally it's you know um down to what what materials are using are they biodegradable um you know are they being processed um in a way that is respectful to the earth are we working with ethical suppliers and producers um you know what is our carbon footprint across our supply chain um you know, another kind of interesting thing is, you know, even when you look at um, eco-friendly um, and ethical um, brands out there, you know, that make shirts, um, actually what people don't tell you is that they're using not biodegradable materials. So, for example, let's just say they'll be selling an organic cotton um, shirt. They'll actually probably be using polyester thread. Um, they'll be maybe using plastic buttons. Um, they'll also be probably using polyester um, interlining, which is, you know, the bits that go under your cuffs and your collars. So um, for us, it's, you know, we're working with um, 100 percent um, of the same material in the entire shirt. So we're working with a fabric called Tensile, which is made um, from it's a cellulosic um, fiber made um, from um sustainably marriage, managed forests where um, the processing is um, a closed loop process. So they recover something like, you know, 95% of the solvents kind of used in the processing of this fiber. Um, so we use 100% materials, the same materials so that it all biodegrades. Um, it's the same material we use down to the thread, Amanda. Um, so this is just an example of, you know, how we're intrinsically um, layering that impact really across every part of the supply chain and even down to, you know, the packaging, um, not using any plastic, sourcing our mailers, um, you know, using FSC certified um, paper. Um, it's really down to that level. So that's, yeah, so that's, and hopefully it's scalable. Um, we think it's scalable. Um, so... Um, and it's really about, you know, making sure that you make a product that lasts, a product that people genuinely love, a product that is trans-seasoned, that they will wear again and again and again, uh, and something that really fits. 
um, everything that we make, we want to make sure doesn't end up in landfill. So that is part of um, mindful consumption. Brilliant. Now, now that you've really kind of gone down the, the entrepreneur route, really, in building this brand, building the product, you know, pulling it all together, do you think you're going to go back to, to wearing the investment hat or, or are you, uh, have you oh. gotten the entrepreneur bug? I think it's both. We, we you know, being um, being an investor, I mean, I think that's a very key part of what we do, and we're, we continue um, to to be active in this space. So I think for us, it's it's, it's really both. And I think actually, I really recommend um, investors to try the venture building hat um, because I do think it actually makes you a better investor. Um, I think it makes you uniquely understand the challenges that entrepreneurs face. Um, and I think it kind of just helps you hone in um, very quickly on some of the the real the bottlenecks and and the the possibilities um, for for um, for success. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think it would certainly change your, the way that uh, that you view a pitch, the way that you're able to, you know, really the kind of questions you're asking of of entrepreneurs you might invest in must change based on that experience. So from my time uh, working in impact investment, one of the things that I did notice, um, we, we were more blended finance, so looking at a, a bigger range of, of investments, but um, we did see more female entrepreneurs in that space than yes. you would see in the kind of typical commercial startup world. Is that something that you've noticed? Absolutely. I think that um, it is a sector where you see a lot more women um, you know, come into the mix. Um, and it's, it's an, you know, I don't know if it's, um, a, because it's a different structure towards, you know, sorry, it's a different structure versus the traditional, um, startup, um, land. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the big thing I think that is probably driving, um, that, that, that trend, if you will. Um, I think that, you know, to solve social problems, um, you really need a tremendous diversity of thought um, and a diversity of thought needs a really diverse management team. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons why you do see um, a lot more women um, enter the space. Um, and in fact, I think, you know, um, when I look at my portfolio, um, you know, I don't make it a point to invest specifically in, in women-run businesses only. Um, but I think the lens that I apply, um, that, that we apply um, to the space, um, you know, kind of we, we end up getting, um, you know, I think our portfolio is something like 75% um, either a woman founder or, or co-founder um, with a woman. Um, and I think that's, that's the unique thing about having this kind of lens. Very few angel investors would be able to say that if they, you know, unless they were actively targeting. Um, but I think that that impact world, you do just see, as you say, whether it's a, a desire to, you know, do more with your business to to address one of these, you know, a, a social problem um, or just it is, a, you know, running an impact led business you know, is, is a little bit more compassionate. You're thinking about a few more things than, you know, and quite frankly, it's a little bit more multitasking. Maybe that's oh, it. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. A lot more. Um, so many more things to think about. Absolutely. 
That's really great. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about how you are sourcing some of these deals? That is a good question. Um, so initially, um, so, you know, I'm a self-taught um, angel and impact investor. Um, so initially, I went to a lot of conferences um, and I did a lot of networking. And I still, of course, do a lot of networking. Um, you know, when I started, I looked at um, a massive um, selection of impact mandates. But I think that as an investor, as you make these investments, um, you educate yourself um, kind of on the sectors where you think there's a tremendous um, additionality in your um, in your involvement and in your capital. Um, and you start to kind of be a bit more niche um, in the in the sectors you do look at. So I think now actually because I've been quite um, quite control it's quite disciplined in the in the universe of stuff that I look at you know where I look at you know it's frontier Asia um, I look at and select Hong Kong opportunities where there's a cross-border potential with Southeast Asia and you know specifically in the sustainable kind of fashion space um, I think you know you kind of build um, a reputation for someone who, who does look at this stuff so a lot of the time now people find me um, so I I tend to get um, a lot of stuff that comes, um, you know, in my email box. Um, and I think it's because it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it with a much more a curated um, lens. So that's actually the advice I would give to other investors is, you know, be known for something um, because it really helps, um, I think, get you a much better um, deal sourcing pipeline. Yeah, having having a clear thesis, absolutely, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah, will really help. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think the the investment world is very much. Uh, you, you do start to kind of get to know everybody in the investment world, and so the more easily that you can say this is what I'm looking for, the more likely people are going to send stuff your way. Uh, absolutely. Um, so that's aside. Like it's been it's been extremely helpful for us um, to to be more curated. Um, and the stuff that we do look at. So, you know, if, if, if there's anyone listening out there who has a great sustainable fashion startup, um, send them over. <laughs> Fantastic. If anyone does have an impact business that they would like to share with Christine, please get in touch with us here at Next Chapter, nextchapterraise.com or via all of our social channels, and we will put you in touch. We can certainly vouch for them as a really friendly and astute investors. Thanks so much for joining in this episode. We'll be having another episode with Christine where she gets into the value of angel investors, the importance of angel networks, and finding the right investor for you. Really, really important lessons for every entrepreneur. To connect with Next Chapter, follow us on social, visit the platform at nextchapterraise.com, and subscribe to the podcast for more great stories to inspire, empower, and celebrate female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm.